Well, hello and welcome to what is the 150th episode, 150th episode of the A and F podcast, FIFA Professional, uh, with me Al Coates and him, <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Why AKA are you calling yourself? Are you miserable? I can't not say that. Oh, give over! I hate this time of year. Like, <laughs> excuse me. Like, honestly, sun, it was yeah. Monday night. Um, was Halloween, wasn't it? Um, and literally, the curtains were drawn, the blinds were shut, the lights were off, the door was locked, and the amount of knocking. I just, I can't bear it. I can't. I mean, you live up a dark track, no? So you're all right. You don't get all this. Uh, be grateful. Be grateful. All right. And then to add to it, afterwards, you know, in the, in the land that obviously doesn't celebrate Guy Fox because it is of no interest to them and it's not connected to them in any way. Fireworks, and then the next day, Christmas. <laughs> what is that all about? And I've, I've, I have, I think the last two years, I I've know, changed my name on Twitter. Scrooge, <laughs> and it's. it's I know it started off as a, a thing, job, but now it's like really serious because I just hate this time of year. There's so much expectation set on everybody and I can't be doing with it. Well, hello really and welcome to the latest edition. You miserable son. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, can I tell you what I've been up to? Yeah, so, I am. And the, yes, you're right. I live a bit dirt track, so I don't get any trick-or-treating. Um, but in the old house, we didn't get it either. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why, because it, we used to live in a double-fronted Edwardian house in the middle of a village, and so there was loads of kids living around, but they never, never came. Um, and then my kids told me as we were leaving, they're going, you do know that every kid in the village thought the house was haunted. I, like, genuinely thought it was haunted. Really? And I went, oh, I didn't know that. And then my kids said to me, this is true, so they're now adults. They went, oh, yeah, yeah, and we were terrified of that room in the loft. We wouldn't go in it. And I was going... And I was going, what? And they were going, no, no, no we saw things in there. We oh. stuff moved. And I was going, shut your mouth. Why the hell did you not tell me? I'd have got an exorcism or garlic or something. We got it sort out. Um, I got, got yeah, a priest or in. got the priest um, in or something. So that was yeah. interesting. But what I've been doing. Just just not the priest that's been saying what he's been saying lately. What just, priest? Not that one. Have you not seen the priest who had a sermon about a same-sex couples on the news this is last weekend research go away have a google and listen to his sermon because it's Fair disgusting anyway, so what i've discovered because i hate this time it gets me really miserable but then last year i discovered this i discovered this way of, mm-hmm. of taking some solace because I, I miss my walks so i started to walk in the dark so I, i'm actually just walking yeah. exactly the same amount of time exactly the same amount of places what I've realised is if you want to get a real buzz, I mean, a real, like, a real kick of adrenaline, this is what you do, right? You get a really scary podcast, like a proper true ghost story podcast, and then you go for a walk in the woods on your own, and I'm about I'm about a mile from streetlights. That's where I, where I live. Oh, I genuinely... And because you genuinely think, like, I was reading one tonight, and it was going, and then they saw a man in the woods, and I was walking through the woods, and <laughs> I can't understand how you can and do I this. I thought really, to myself, I honestly, thought, this is like, this is like no, I'm having a visceral no. physical reaction and I'm looking over my shoulder. And I'm, but what's odd is if I'm listening to like a comedy podcast, it's fine. And so I, you have to resist everything in your body to not run like hell or scream or keep looking over your shoulder. I just got oh, the shivers when you said abs. that. I literally just got the shivers when you said, how can you do that to yourself? I don't, see, oh, I, don't I, like I can't even watch Doctor Who, right? I'm that bad. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. 
Yeah, but you know when the Daleks come out and they're quite scary. Uh, that goes you. back to I'm my with childhood you. with the Daleks. But I, 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 no, I can't. I just can't put myself in. It's like eating chilies. Yeah. I can't eat chilies because I don't like spice food. So oh, I, I don't like horror, scary well, things. So I don't like I horror films. I don't like them. I'm, I'm just not. I don't like the jump scare thing. But this is like so visceral. It's because it feels like oh, this is actually real now. This it's like we're watching a film. You got it's just manipulation. But out in the woods, no. you go, oh, this is freaking real. It's not un- it's not dissimilar mm. to waving at trains, which we've have we talked about before on the podcast. <laughs> yes, we have talked right. about your fascination it's with the waving at trains. It's like a physical so, re- re- you have a physical about, response you know. to a really peculiar thing. So you wave at a train and um you feel like an idiot. And it's like a really it's a real rush and a real buzz. There you go. So that's what I'm doing. I'm is that the same as making like the masturbation sign somebody who cuts <laughs> you up in the morning? No, it's like nothing that? to is do that, with that. Is that a similar that? thing? Or? Uh, well, your mind is like a cesspool. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> says you, says you, who just recorded the porn <laughs> well, intro no, for the adoption of uh, the ANF. I, I have to re-register at the end of yeah. this month. You can't be doing this. I know. And if you want to hear that, it will be I on. I might put it on. I might put it on. <laughs> yeah it I was because that was funny anywho it was funny, we honestly. have got a guest tonight we've got uh john anywho john radu um, we, we do we've got john radu yeah radu as the french radu. would say radu i, I was it's a french name well it is it because is. it's a french yeah. pronunciation because it's a french name which we did ask him um and when you because this um, intro attempt. is um not the original intro because <laughs> Um, yeah, Zoom played us up that night, and I sounded like you I was, sounded literally like you were having a funny turn. I sounded like, but it was and my, people will hear. Yeah, it like it sounded like I was having a, something to do with a brain, which actually you will hear. Yep. Yes, because but, it doesn't sound great. But I always managed to fix it in some way, shape, or form with his twiddling, twiddling kind of. Yeah, things. it's a very big kind, kind of. of. Um, but we took the editorial. Mm. I haven't put any cut of you a out, lot of me out but it, in the edit. Well, no, it's John's answering the questions. Oh, I'm asking a few questions. You're asking a few questions. When you're asking questions, it's a little bit robotic. It's a little bit uh, distorted. You can make sense of it. And it just seemed totally unfair because John gave you know right. John gave us an evening and he chatted to us. So we didn't want to ask oh, him to do it he again. Was a great guest. And so great please guest. bear with the yeah. podcast. It is no. a tiny snippet where Scott's asking questions. You can understand what he's saying, but it's just not, you know, not particularly pleasant. Yeah. No change there then. But if you want to hear a good podcast, <gasps> Scott Starling, shut your mouth. I've just, I've just recorded. I don't know. Oh, where is that going to come out? Just so we can kind of, oh, you don't know. Probably in the year 30, 55, when we're both no. dead and someone comes across. We've got a great podcast coming up from um, Zach and Alison from the US. <laughs> Scott did it. Absolutely wonderful. And to be honest, I listened to it and I thought, there's two podcasts here. I wish, <laughs> I wish you'd done two because there's so well informed yeah, and that's probably going to come up before yeah. Christmas anyway that's Zach and Alison um, um, yeah. from the US from South Carolina um, and they are talking about fostering and some other stuff um, some other stuff anyway yes. shall we lead into John and um, <laughs> oh, oh. we and, uh, anyway. I hope everyone's doing yes. well we're going to do some lives over the next few months just because the winter's here and uh, get some people on do some live yeah yes cheer you all up because we're on fire. You, you are on fire. We're You're on fire this week. You know, and um, I, I am literally on fire. And being on fire, um, 25th of November, the Stop. ANF podcast conference. <laughs> Boom! Mic drop. It's Great lineup. Um, yeah. Um, no borders training.org. 
um, click on a training and events, amazing lineup, mm. and we are really looking forward to it. Um, and we've the same prices last year and the year before, and oh no, not the yep. year before because we've been this is the third year. Um, it's 15 quid. Get your tickets. Um, if you can actually attend on the day, you will receive everything afterwards. So all recorded, no editing. You hear it as it goes out. Yeah. You get all the presentations and all the materials. And um, yeah, Angela Fraser-Wicks, Sarah Johal, um, someone called Paula is. Coates. Don't know who she is. I do know her very, very well. Don Harker. And there's somebody else. Who's the other person? I wasn't listening. Go. What were you saying? Beth Neal, <gasps> Professor Dr. Beth Neal. The There's somebody else as well. Beth Neal, Beth Neal, yeah. Professor, Professor Beth Neal, yes. So great lineup, and obviously we will be there chairing and doing what, our, thing, and wise. our thing. Um, <laughs> you don't even, yeah, you don't even have to leave sweet. your own home if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you could listen on your phone. Engine bracket. Or you get it afterwards. 15 quid. Yeah, oh, let's not go that far. Nobordertraining.org. Uh, and with no more ado, we have John Radu. Radu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trapped in the body of a child. <laughs> I'm so pleased you recorded all this because this couldn't happen if we were just talking. This is like this is gold. material, mate. Honestly, we are like the Anna Dyke of the podcast. I wish world. I was a pound behind them. Anyway. Well, yeah, I do as well. Pip, pip. Right, anyway. Next. We have a guest, uh, John Rideau, who is a, I think if you're on Twitter and you're in, involved in the world that we're in, then you'll have, you'll have seen John. He comes on. Um, uh, to quote him, he's Gobby on Twitter. Child, child and adolescent therapeutic counsellor uh, with a specific interest in sort of looked after children, care leavers, uh, that kind of sphere and world. So hello, John. Hello. <laughs> hello. Slightly nervous suddenly. Are you? No. <laughs> I guess well, it's interesting because I was thinking the Venn diagram of people who listen to podcasts and the people who go on Twitter must be, you know, there must be quite a bit of crossover. Definitely. But then your listenership, which you told me uh, about before, that isn't your, doesn't reflect your follower count on Twitter. So I guess there's, there's people who listen to this who won't know who I am, which is incredible, really. That is a true story. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do have quite a big Facebook Because I'm basically but, but, only known via Twitter, other than you know, people have a professional relationship with Well, well, we'll, po we'll point people towards you on Twitter in our show notes and everything, so people can kind of get a measure of, 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 of who you are and what you like to speak about. Because like anyone, we can't kind of box you in. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I think you are, you've got a unique, um, you professionally you work in a very specific area but you've got a kind of a unique journey to that so are you comfortable telling us a little bit about your like your yeah backstory? so i um i spent the majority of my childhood in care um uh from the age of about two and a half um initially in uh, several foster placements uh, one of which specifically was quite um didn't treat me very well um, uh, and then uh, a children's home, and then I lived with my dad for a bit, and then I ended up at a residential sort of EBD, uh, boarding school for children with emotional and behavioural difficulties throughout my teens. Um, they uh, are still at a time where we were called maladjusted. Um, uh, and then um, 
yeah, I had a difficult period in my late teens and twenties and studied photography and performing arts and didn't really settle down. And, and then when I was about 27, yeah, 27, uh, I, I wanted to be a social, I wanted to be a social worker um, and I didn't have A-levels or anything like that. Uh, and I was told, oh, you know, you can apply as a mature student, go away and get um, relevant experience. Um, and then I could apply for training. And then I saw a job in a children's home locally. So I applied for that. Uh, I didn't think I'd get it, but I did. Um, and then um, and I guess quite quickly, I realised that um, this is not a criticism of social workers, by the way, but I, I realised that they didn't spend an awful lot of time with the young people. And yeah. if I wanted, you know, and that in terms of spending actual time with young people and, and having an influence that way, then obviously residential children's own work you're spending you know hours and hours a week with them um uh, and I was did that and then I kind of left after a few years I worked my way up to manager and then I, I, I started to find it too difficult for various reasons so I left uh, and then I did some other stuff training of foster carers um sort of self-employed stuff bit of work in a home hostel uh and then um, I started working in a therapeutic community for children on the South Coast, um, sort of quite a specialist therapeutic setup, really, uh, for a few years. And then I decided, you know, my interest in the sort of psychotherapeutic side had been piqued by that, really. And so I, I trained to be a therapist at the same time as continuing to do bank shifts in a local kids' aid. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and slowly I've transitioned my career and now. Uh, after a year or so working with foster carers, I now work, um, well, I'm commissioned by local authority to support an outreach service for young people on the edge of care. I do that three days a week. And then two days a week, I work as a therapist in schools and in a room I have locally. Most of the children I see are uh, uh, in care or on SGOs or things of that ilk. A couple of, I have a handful of private clients where, you know they're just ordinary children whose parents pay for them to see a therapist for a bit but um but yeah so uh and i write some stuff i blog um i do stuff on twitter i you know <laughs> yeah i whatever you know i've written a bit of stuff for community care and outlets like that but yeah i mean i'm that's conscious really. well just that's it really um <laughs> I, just listening to that sort of you know i mean that's that's a lifetime summarized in two minutes um yes but it seems like just totally immersed in the world of children's social care from being two and a half. Is that, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, there was a gap, but I, I, yeah. And I, I feel ambivalent about that a lot of the time. And I, you know, and I kind of, um, I, I wonder about kind of how, how healthy that is really. Mm. Um, uh, I don't, you know, uh, you know, I often think of these, um, you know, even people who like, you know, they go from school to university, qualified to be teachers and working at school, like their entire yeah. life is in a school. And I, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not criticizing teachers yeah. who might be listening, but I just kind of, you know, I just wonder about that. And I wonder about that for myself. Oh, and there's definitely balance. been periods. Of, yeah. And there's definitely been periods of time uh, uh, where I've, had more mixed feelings about it in terms of thinking, no, oh, I just need to, this is not good. I need to get out of these environments. Mm. Um, uh, but I'm, um, 
I'm kind of more relaxed about it now. And I, 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 I you know, this is what I have to offer. I'm 46 now. So, you know, uh, um, I, that said, I, I would say that I also like to see um, young people, the, some of my work as a therapist with young people who are, who are not in care and who are not actually deeply traumatized. And, you know, I, I like to do a little bit of that as well. Um, yeah I don't sometimes I feel like I'm swimming in trauma um and I, I yeah that doesn't always feel great but I, I'm, I'm also better at making sure but I earn more money now so it's a bit so I earn more money so I can have more breaks I can yeah, do things yeah, for myself yeah. you know uh when I was just on a children's home care worker money you know and you're doing 60 hours 70 hours a week yeah. but you know that's when I was 35 you know I'm, I, I now don't need to do that so yeah there is a lot to be said, even though, you know, we don't always work for money, but money does sometimes help to be able to take money. Yeah. If it's, if it's I'm, just very con- I'm just very conscious when I, people talk about self-care and, we, and when I talk mm. about self-care that, you know, sometimes that that's a bit of a kind of meme or something like that. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, and employers send around emails about self-care and stuff like that as, but as if it absolves them. You know, but that's easy to do if you've got the money and time. If you haven't, then you can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think one of the reasons we were, were really keen to talk to you, um, there's a lot of things. I mean, you write, uh, you write really interesting um, blogs, but also just you, you give a commentary on a lot of stuff that's going on. I mean, specific to the care review, but also beyond that and how we support families and children and and we're just really interested to get kind of tap into that perspective really and just kind of i don't know where to start really because there's so many areas but one of the one of the blogs that i read recently was in relation to um experts by experience and i found that really fascinating that that is a subject matter that you felt needed addressing um and speaking from you know speaking from your perspective so can you sort of like, could you tell us, you know, for people who've not necessarily read it, could you tell us what that blog was and what what, what was its genesis and you know, what are your thoughts um, and feelings on that movement? Well, I think the genesis of it is I've always been a bit, you know, when I, um, when, people find this hard to believe, um, but when I applied for um, a job in a children's home, I was under no illusions of kind of grandeur around, oh, I'm, I, I, because of my experience, I'll be able to offer more to these yeah. young people. My first day in the job, I was just as, uh, you know, anxious and, and scared, really, I guess, as, as, uh, as any new member of staff. And to be honest, I'd barely, which it seems ridiculous now I'd barely made the connection between the fact that I I had uh, lived in the care and was now working in it I, yeah. I I just wanted to do a job that I thought had some kind of value really so I've we, uh, now I know that that's madness obviously there was a direct relationship between the two things you know um but uh, so I've always been sceptical about how much, not that lived experience isn't a value and that it can't really inform services and that it can't inform people as a practitioner and clearly it informs me. Um, but I, I, I just, I just felt, I just feel like sometimes 
nowadays it's sort of seen as kind of the, the only show in town so that was part of it uh and i had um uh i won't name them because it's not fair but i had a a, a conversation with someone a care experience campaigner who um who as part of the thing that they were doing was talking about wanting to be able to offer free therapy to people who took their care leavers um and whether i would um be willing to play a part in that um but they one of the things they said is that um they thought that um uh they would want all the therapists to be care experienced um and so i i think that was the that was the kind of point where i thought i'm going to write something about this i i you know it's, i've been mulling things over around it for on and off for years but i thought yeah. I, I, you know i feel because that that feels to me like well and i do refer a little bit to it in the blog uh uh the, the, this kind of idea that actually that would mean that a lot of very capable in this in, in this example a lot of very capable psychotherapists who could really be very helpful to young people in care or care leavers would be ruled out on that basis and and yeah. and, and given you're trying to offer a service for free people who might be willing to give up two or three hours a, a week to, to to be part of this you know so that that's really what I thought, uh, you know, I, I feel like I want to address this, and I felt, it, but it's a it's a complicated one because the thing that gave me the clout to address it, I think, is the fact that I <laughs> am someone with lived experience. Yeah. So it's a kind of it, it's a weird one, you know. I was using my lived experience to to discursively in the blog to make my arguments about lived experience not being as important maybe all the time as people think it is but to do that I had to be someone who had lived experience so it's a bit yeah it, I, that seems a bit complicated to explain but yeah but I was very conscious of that as I was writing the blog that I was sort of engaged in a massive double standard but um <laughs> but I, I you know but on the other hand I, I I mean I don't really come to any I don't think I I mean, sometimes I write things, you know, and people familiar specifically with my Twitter content, but even other stuff that I've written where I can be, you know, I take up a very strong position. But I don't think I did that in the blog I wrote about lived experience. I was trying to say on the one hand this, on the other hand that it's all a bit yeah. murky. Yeah. I, that was my my attempt. That's what I was attempting to do anyway. Hmm. I, I find it really interesting because I think the reason that I became aware of you was because of your opinions, should I say. I was going to use an L word, but I don't think that's fair. Um, your opinions on the, the care of you and where that came from. And um, what I found really interesting, because that blog, actually, I read it probably within the same couple of hours as Al read it. And we both, when he said to me, we need to get you on, we both kind of agreed with that because it's, it's interesting. And when sometimes when people are kind of on Twitter, you get hunched and whatever characters it is to be able to explain yourself, and that's really tricky and really, you know, really hard to do without coming across, excuse me, coming across as, you know, perhaps someone that um, people might not want to engage with. But I think that blog for me really kind of defined you as an individual because um, we're, all, we're all very. Um, we can we can all very much take that kind of approach to if we're asked to do something we're just going to do it because actually you know we are using our own experience to be able to share but actually 
there's a big difference between having my experience, Al's experience, your experience. They're all very different. Um, so what I found really intriguing about the blog was that whilst we, we listen, actually everybody's experience is very different and that doesn't necessarily make them an expert. Um, and I think, I know that's, <laughs> that was the well, essence of the blog. I, th- I think that's, you know, this is, maybe this is a slightly kind of, Maybe this analogy is not going to quite work, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, if, um, if you know, to take a sort of trivial example, if if the three of us went to watch a film at the cinema, okay, you know, we've had, I mean, we've had basically exactly the same experience for for, for two and a half hours, but we mm. might come away from that uh, feeling and thinking quite different things about that experience. So even even when when people, you know. I mean, you know, we understand, you guys will understand certain kind of things that we might consider symptomatic of uh, developmental trauma, for example, you know, so there are similarities, you know, but much of what makes us who we are and how we experience things is basically unknown, you know, (laughs) you know, so there are lots of examples of thinking, oh, but that young person had that kind of experience and they seem to be basically fine and that other young person had those experiences and they're and and they're really finding life very very difficult Mm. and and you know and the reasons for that are pretty pretty unknown so it's um so it's inevitably it's kind of you you, it, it's a mistake really and it's a mistake that people with lived experience make you know that the, in the, especially in children's social care I can't speak for other fields as much whereas they actually massively over identify with uh, someone that they they have a professional role with because they imagine that the young person feels the same way about something and because they've had superficially similar experiences mm. they imagine that the young person's experienced that in the same way as they have but they mm. might not you know yeah i was um i was listening to max hastings who's sort of the eminent historian and he was he was addressing this idea of um how do you gather facts about things that have happened he said he said in reality people are really bad witnesses to events he said that they that for a whole host of reasons time personality perspective a whole raft of things they're very bad at he said but what they're immeasurably good at is they're telling you how they felt about a thing and yeah. how they experienced a thing. He said they may, they'll get maybe get the dates wrong, the time, you know, all of that. The, the landscape of what they're telling is it, just not great. There's other ways to get that, but to say what it feels like, um, it's just you. Can, there's no other way of capturing it so well. And I was thinking about the the current. Mm, I don't want to say fashion, but maybe it is a fashion towards lived experience, or the or the maybe a, the swing towards lived experience. Do you think that that is it, I mean, do, do we have to reset the counter? And we we need that, but do you think that there's a danger that we maybe take that to a place where it's not helpful? I don't want to be seen, certainly, as part of some kind of revisionist thing, sort of rubbishing like the value of lived experience. Mm. Um, and I guess there's two strands to it. There's there's uh, being a sort of a, a practitioner of some kind with lived experience, you know, and 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 how valuable or otherwise that is, you know, um, and then there's the sort of 
systems change kind of thing and and co-production yeah. of kind of you know and and obviously things like the EBE board for the care review now when I uh so I think the original reason I became associated with the care review is because um I composed a letter that um I sort of made available for people to sign um and i wanted people who had professional personal experience in the care system to sign it we sent it off to i sent it off to gavin williamson this was when the conservative party had included in their manifesto yeah. that they wanted to review the care system and it was really just a way of trying to you know i mean it was a very optimistic act but a way of uh trying to kind of make sure that that was done properly now in that yeah. letter which i wrote um i you know emphasized the importance of it involving people with um care experience lived experience of the care system at that point the conservative manifesto had said the care system it hadn't said a wider review of children's social care so at that point i was i guess in terms of lived experience i was thinking people who'd been in care in some way yeah um so and i was very keen for that to happen and uh and i'm you know and i have to say i personally my personal view is that there's value um and i don't think you'll be surprised to hear and won't be surprised to hear the review did this very well but that there's value in just listening to people's stories you know mm. that that some of the value of the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse of course it's important what comes out in these reports and recommendations and and law led potential legislation changes to protect children in the future that's really important but actually actually just the the them hearing taking testimony and hearing these people's yeah. experiences and recording that and and that that's important too um and so irrespective of sort of final outcomes of the review i always thought it well not irrespective but in addition yeah. to final outcomes of the review i always thought it was important that people got their chance to say something uh, i will add a caveat though which is if you're saying to people if you're promising change and you're taking people's and you're getting people to really uh you know unpack their stories for you and all of that kind of stuff about how they experience being in care and you're saying we need this information because we're going to try and change the system so that it doesn't happen to other young people that's essentially what the message is and you don't deliver that change then that's a big problem you know because you're talking about a cohort of people who have uh, throughout their a lot of them during their time in care will have felt unheard not listened to you know and to then say come on trust us and then not deliver and then to break that trust that's that's worse than not asking yeah, yeah that is problematic mm. um uh and um you know and it is difficult you know because i was um I was, uh, I don't think the selection process for the EBE board for the care review was done as well as it could have been that, you know, obviously I think that really, but we've got to be honest, there would always have to be some kind of selection process that, that would always involve people applying to do something and being told that they could, there is no other, there is no other way around it. And yeah. we would have always been, people would have always been unhappy with that, that process, you know, and it would have always been very, very difficult to protect people from that rejection. Um, you know, they could have done it better than, a, look, I applied to be on the EBE board, if I'm honest, partly out of mischief and partly, um, uh, and partly um, because I wanted to, I genuinely wanted to see what the process yeah. was like. 
Mm. Um, you know, and I, I was just, I mean, I think it was still in the, the big lockdown early in 21, wasn't it? Uh, and I was yeah. just out for my daily walk and I got the email pop up on my phone, <laughs> you know, a pretty, pretty cold kind of almost job rejection kind of you know of that ilk not awful but not great um and I was conscious that you know I wasn't ever expecting to get picked and I also I have a voice anyway you know I'm on a podcast with you guys I speak to people heads of charities and I write blogs and people read them and you know if I wanted to get something put in CYP now or community care I probably could so I don't I'm not voiceless uh, but lots of people who might have applied would have been effectively. And, and so I was very conscious that that, that wasn't really good enough. Um, you know, I'm off yeah. a bit. Sorry, I slightly just not. No, no, you're fine. Um, but I was going to say as well, there was, I mean, you know, again, I don't know the full process because I didn't apply for it. I know that there was another person in the room that did apply for it, but he can talk about apply. that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but also, it seemed to be a, quite an online process. So, you know, if you were on social media, then you knew about it. So, therefore, you could apply. But what about those that perhaps weren't on social media and, you know, all that kind of stuff? And I, well, I, that, that was my first. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, um, I, had, um, uh, I had a conversation with. Um, uh, long before the review was announced, um, but as when I was campaigning around it, was a, a fairly senior civil servant at the DfE um, uh, who re- seemed to genuinely want my thoughts about how to do this review thing and particularly yeah. about how to do the lived experiencing. And there was a few of you do it through charities and stuff, which is interesting because that's come back for the implementation board. You know, she was genuinely kind of curious about that and I was clear at that point is you know how you know people like me for as much as I have difficulties and actually you know people young people on uh children in care councils and so on and so forth okay I'm not they've had very difficult experiences and they're doing great things but okay they are not the young people who get bounced around 10 foster placements and six residential homes in their teens you know they're not the ones in the homeless hostels the mental health wards the prisons that's just a reality and so I was always saying you know you need to find a way of speaking to these people you need you know you have to you you obviously they're not going to be on no EBE board let's be realistic but how do you find them you know and you can't you can't do that via Twitter um and and I mean, sometimes it felt like they the whole thing was a Twitter thing. I mean, yeah. and to be fair, you know, uh, I don't want to sort of turn this into a kind of tit for tat with Josh McAllister via your podcast. But he did announce <laughs> the re- his his chairmanship of the review on Twitter. That he did, I mean, I knew it was coming, you know, because it'd be yeah. leaked the day before. And if you were in the know, you knew these things, you know. Right. That's, uh, well, you know, someone called me and told me. So I knew it was coming. Uh, I then told a couple of people, this is the way of things. But, I, the, but you know, so I, I didn't expect, I, I mean, it's so unhealthy that I wake up at seven in the morning and look at my phone and check Twitter <laughs> before I've had a coffee. <laughs> Obviously, that's mad. I don't do that anymore. But, um, the, but straight, straight away, it was, you know, probably that he'd scheduled but a, a quite a lengthy twitter thread from from josh at seven o'clock on whatever it was the 15th of january 2021 announcing the both the review and the fact that he was chairing it so in some respects 
you know, and he's then copped some grief, including from me, of course. But, you know, in some respects, it was sort of started as it as it ended up going on, which became this kind of Twitter thing, which, I, you know, yeah. I know there was other ways that they reached out to people. I don't want to rub all of it, but that that was, you know, that, that yeah, it was a social media event. Yeah. Isn't it really? yeah. I, I guess part, I, partly because a lot of it was happening during lockdowns and stuff initially, wasn't it? So, you know, yeah. I'm trying to be generous, but yeah. 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 I mean, we, I mean, we, not we, I, I certainly, I'm not here to defend Josh. And I think that we, obviously he was really, he came on to the podcast, you know, we asked yeah. and he said, yes. Yeah. So we, <laughs> why wouldn't we let him on? Um, yeah. And I think we, I'm always I'm a pragmatist by nature, and I kind of like the tension was that, and he was open that, that this is a government with a large majority. Or it was I'm not I have no idea what the hell's happening today. <laughs> check check my watch, check Twitter, and yeah. um, but it was a government with a large majority. They had the opportunity to do a review and get the, any legislative changes done within the t- within a parliamentary period, and um, while they still had a majority, whether that is still going to happen, I don't know, but that. We seem to be in this place now where who knows actually what is going to be taken forwards. Or uh, yeah. do you think it's a done deal? Oh. So it's it, I, I just go back a little step. So I interestingly, I also consider myself a pragmatist. Um that might right. surprise some people, well, including well. people who know me very well. But um <laughs> but I I was kind of Look, I've been involved in conversations, you know, about who might head up the review. Not not like with important people just idle chatter yeah, about who yeah. it should be uh you know who it might be so who i thought it should be you know all of those kind of conversations yeah. um um and i knew that because i i partly because i'd written this letter and so on and so forth that really i was gonna when it was announced i was gonna have to sort of take a position i well, I wouldn't have yeah. to but you know i yeah. felt under some some pressure to and i imagined my fear was that something that not brilliant but okay was going to happen and that I was going to be the one of the people going, look, you know, this is our only hope of change. This, uh, yeah. you know, let's it's not going to be everything we want, but let's compromise, you know, let's engage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought I was worried that I was going to alienate some people that I'm usually allied to. You know, that was my anxiety because I thought I was going to come out and support pretty much whatever was announced. So, so maybe it says something about my uh, psychology a little bit, but I I was a bit disappointed to find out that I was, I was a a online malcontent um, as uh, (laughs) the social work tutor described as. Um, So I, um, and, and honestly, I accept too that there would never be uh, a kind of, you know, these people have got to be appointed by someone. So the idea, there's no philosophically impossible to have a kind of uh, completely independent review. I accept that too. Yeah. But I think we could all, if we're honest, I'm going to put words in people's mouths, but imagine a more independent review. You know, I, I think we could, you know, I, mm. I, I my personal view um was that i wanted it to be a, a retired uh, family court judge i think people won't like this but i think it would have been better for it to be someone at the end of their career not towards the beginning i think that frees people up um it would give us certainly you know, a different tone wouldn't it to the whole experience and 
but do you think that that decision because obviously i remember having a conversation i can't remember who with um or maybe i can but i shouldn't maybe say but and they sort of were quite pragmatic and they said it's got to be they've got to choose someone they can work with the the dfa or the other ministers and if you put someone like a retired judge who would probably be a bit more uh i don't want to say thorough but a bit more methodical a bit slower a bit more measured that you would have never got it through within the the, that time slot that they had so do you think that it was it was no more Um, than that just like this is going to get it done quick if we pick him and he cracks on Right. I, look, I would have liked to see something more genuinely uh, set up to be kind of cross-party from the start, really. And I know yeah. sort of when the review was announced, uh, the whoever was the Labour Education Shadow at the time uh, tweeted positively, and there's been a bit of that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But I, you know, I would have liked to see. I so I wouldn't have. I my personal view is that it shouldn't. The kind of legislative time scale was neither here nor there. Obviously, you don't want a review that drags on for years and years. I think a year was too short given the given the complexity. But I don't. You know, there's a balance to be struck. Um, I guess I look. It had it just been a kind of government policy review like they have, and you know, a kind of criticizing these people but kind of martin mary type thing or whatever i wouldn't have been over the moon about it but so what really these things happen uh my problem was it was being sold as something else i mean some of it i'm not saying this is what actually happened but i was just aware of it some of the lines being used were lines that i'd used in my letter you know that was that lots of people signed a once in a generation opportunity political you know blah 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 and so uh, they were promising something else. And there was something that was quite towards the start when um, Josh, who I agree, by the way, who I've met three times via Zoom, and I agree he's very amiable. I, I don't think he's the spawn of Satan or anything like that. But when he... <laughs> he um, Breaking news, John... Yeah. <laughs> John Radu says he's not the spawn of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be relieved to hear. Yeah. Um, I'm going uh, to message him now. <laughs> there, there, there was... Uh, there was a, I mean, there was in one of his responses to whether there'd be a team on Twitter, he said, as is usual for reviews of this kind, and he was referring to the fact that the team would be civil servants. And that sort of gave the game away to me a bit because I'm like, but we're not asking for a review of this kind. This is, we've been asking for something unique and you're sort of promising something unique. But on the other hand, you're saying it's just going to be the same old thing. You know, I don't care about how every other independent review or review has been conducted in the history of uh, UK um, public affairs. I care about this review and this, we're asking for something different. You know that so that 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 was my kind of starting point really um you know and 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 look i mean i, I want to move on for one sec i do not want to be identified with the review i agree with what you were saying earlier <laughs> you know this is and now it's this implementation board and they're they're implementing no one knows what the government no one knows what the government policy is Absolutely. so i don't really know how they can implement it um <laughs> you well, know fair, nobody really knows who the ministers are and, and no you know all that no and it's moment. a real shame and actually i i heard uh will quince on your podcast you know i look i'm a 
member of the Labour Party. So, you know, um, yeah. probably to the left of Keir Starmer. So obviously Will Quince is not, but he seemed thoughtful. He seemed sincere as much yeah. as, you know, I, uh, I was, and if, and I was disappointed that he didn't yeah. stay in his role, not least because he's, was, he got, he was across the brief a little bit, you know, so, yeah. you know, I, I felt really pretty sad about that, honestly, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, that's another so headline. On. John John says towards the right now. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, no. <laughs> okay. um, so, I mean, just relating this back to your blog, I guess. So the the um, I don't want to use the word panel because that's that means something else. But the expert by experience people that they used for the review yeah it was the um, ab board yeah, yeah that's what they called I, it. I always find it fascinating when you've got an acronym how people pronounce it because yeah. when i worked at adoption uk the, the acronyms a to me it was a uk and then people called it arc and i was like oh, what, yeah. what you say so it's always interesting to hear other people's kind of you know how their brain works in terms of but so i mean you didn't have anything against it the the, the, these people it was just a fact of maybe the selection process or you know or um what well I'm, I'm not well i'm not pulling into the long grass and you can always edit the step the step if you want to ask that question i'm just interested to hear because i i, I feel like some of those people really are quite valuable to what they've done and what they've achieved and what they may want to can't talk about the future because we don't know but you know um, it, in the, um, I, I, I'm going to answer it, but in a slightly roundabout way, no, no, do, uh, do, uh, in, in the, on the application form to be on the EBE board, I, I can't remember the exact wording without pulling it up, but one of the sort of requirements for want of a better word is that you were someone who was able to, uh, kind of communicate, I think, succinctly in, and in a kind of respectful way. Mm. Um, uh, and I, and obviously, you know, can be on Zoom calls with people. We don't want people kicking off left, right, and centre. I get yeah. that, but <laughs> but um, but but you know, on the other hand, that is quite a barrier because this is something which um, which you know, especially if they've got lived experience, raises passions and people feel strongly about yeah. it, and people yeah. people might not, and I don't always might not articulate themselves in the, the best way possible. Um, and, you know, the, 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 by the act of having this review, you're almost kind of lancing a boil. There's a lot of stuff here, you know. Um, some of that spilled out on Twitter, including by me, members of the EB board, other people, you know, I'm not proud of every interaction that I've had around the review on Twitter. I don't think I ever abused Joshua Gallister. I, I'm confident I never did. I said robust things but it's not the same thing but yeah. i but I, in other interactions definitely um i regret uh, an early interaction with jenny malloy i regret quite a lot of my interactions with chris hoyle you know i don't take full responsibility for what happened in those interactions but i regret my part in them. um you know um but um i i 
and I, I, I accept that the people who were chosen from the EB board were entirely reasonable people to speak to, but they were ex they were people with existing profiles as campaigners, and that would have been the same if they picked me, of course, you know. Um, and maybe if they picked me, would I be saying, oh, well, they yeah. picked the same old faces, but... Um, but it's quite they wanted a certain type i think uh, that i would go as far as to say that really. yeah. yeah yeah and i think it reflected just the, the speed at which it was all done and as you say that they there's there's a clear drive behind it to get it done within the within a five years and within the the, the parliamentary term and that's that's but that's woven into the dna every aspect of it because as you were saying i'd have loved i mean th there's just been the, the human rights um the all party group on adoption, forced adoption, historic forced adoption, and uh, everyone's been able to submit um, evidence. Um, and that's been sort of broad. It's a very, like a very big net that's been cast out there, you know, and there's been challenges. And of, of course, it's always difficult. But as you said, to get the less heard voices, that takes time and it takes a bit of investigation. It needs to send someone like yourself off and go, go away and get the less heard voices, get off Twitter. Go and get them, you know. Well, you know, but literally, yeah. as you say, the pe yeah. the people who I, I often think this in relation to all aspects of social care. You know, the adoptive families that you know that's our expertise. The adoptive families are just getting on with their lives. They're just getting on with it. Yeah. They're, just, they're not. They're not in this space, and there'll be hundreds of thousands of people who've got strong opinions about this, but are not. Don't feel. Oh, I mean, you know, I, you know, I've continued to work with children in social care throughout this period, and most people I come across, social workers, residential workers, foster carers, no, haven't, first I didn't have a clue that review was happening. Yeah. You know, that, you yeah. know, that, like, you know, uh, it, it, it was not as high profile as it could have been. Um, and, and, I, and I regret that it wasn't high profile for another reason, it, which is that this would have been a good opportunity uh, to really make the public, if they'd wanted to, if they'd really driven it, they could have had all kinds of stuff yes. on the news and in the mainstream media. There was bits, but this was a real opportunity to just raise awareness of of the lives of of children in care and children and families around social work, uh, children's social care, the role of social workers. Do you know what I mean? All of, all of this could have been much more high profile, and I think it was a missed opportunity. You know, and and even stuff like, you know, I mean, it leaked and we, you know, lots of, you know, this is a bit kind of exclusionary, but lots of people in the know, including myself, had copies of the review report the weekend before it was announced. However, they did try to keep that secret. Why did they do that? Why didn't they have a big fanfare, you know, about this report? Why? Why? I, I just don't understand all that stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, this is stuff that I'm, you know, lots, lots of people, of course, are complaining about um, the, 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 the Scottish review and the promise and stuff haven't delivered in the way that people hoped. So I don't know enough to really fully comment. But there's no question it was much more high profile. The day I knew, I mean, we all knew for weeks that it, when it was coming out, I watched, uh, I found it quite emotional. And I watched Nicola Sturgeon, um, the day that it came out, give a quite long and uh, passionate speech to the Scottish Parliament. You know, it was a big deal, you know. An uh, opportunity, uh, yeah. Yeah. And and so I, I, I feel sad about that. You know, yeah. I think Boris Johnson was even aware there was a care review going on under his watch. Probably not, you know. I think he was out of probably. I don't know, I'm just... 
He's a bad example, maybe, but I, yeah, you know, I, know, but... I, I, I yeah. feel, I, I feel genuinely yeah. sad about it. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and I look, there's lots of children in care who are minding their own business in foster care and don't want to be aggroed yeah. by a kind of review. You know, of course not. You know, they're doing fine. Thank you very much. And, you know, you know, and I, I but my concern is that there's still lots and lots of children and young people who who have like foster placements in double figures. You know, this is yeah. like uh, or, or a completely unsatisfactory experiences leaving care and, and all of these things, you know, I could waffle on. But, you know, the, the, for me, the, the thing about the review was this has to deliver something that really makes it that the, the experience of being care. Which is hard, which is not good enough for lots of children. Better, you know. I mean, I know that sounds yeah. a bit kind of wishy-washy, but you know. And and I said to Josh when I first met him, you know, I have to see a route to that happening. I have to, see, you know, and I don't see it, and I don't see it now. In fact, all the, it it seems almost a bit anachronistic to talk about this review. It just seems like like so what now it, it raised a lot of passions but so what and it's going to be this implementation board and they'll do some of the stuff and not some of the other stuff do i think that uh the life of a single child in the care of the state is going to be meaningfully improved by the outcomes of this review i'm afraid i don't mm. you know that's and i feel genuinely bereft mm. i feel emotional now talking to you and so some of that upset comes out on twitter in ways that is probably not productive well, we, we, you're here and we get to talk yeah. to you. So, you know, um, but it's an interesting thing because over my time of working, I, I'm not a social worker, I'm not even qualified. I've got a few GCSEs and that's about it. Um, so my my experience comes from my experience, if that makes sense. Um, but I think what's interesting is that we, it would be amazing to be able to get the voice of young people in a really kind of um what's the word i'm looking for oh i forget what it's these days sorry um and it really kind of in a way that was that meant something but you know we've got all these children in foster care who have gone through all this stuff at the minute and it's not until they've kind of grown up or moved on or whatever until we get their opinions and their voice mm. and all that sort of stuff and i think that's quite a sad state of affairs to be on perfect and I know that from my own experience with my own children you know we didn't get to hear a lot of their experiences until years later and a lot of it shouldn't have happened so how I, I think I kind of agree with you John in some ways because well in a lot of ways because I don't think that this is going to change much for the children that are in care now I think that a lot of it could potentially change the could have could have changed the experience that those 10 20 years ago had because that's now the voices that we're hearing but i don't think it's going to change much for those in the, in the care system yeah. now because things do move on as well i mean I, you know i suppose to add balance what i would say is clearly you know we've moved on from uh founding hospitals and workhouses mm. yeah. you know yeah. the, the the sort of <laughs> overall exactly. yeah you know there's a there's an arc of progress here or whatever you know yeah. That said, you know, and this will probably um, might irritate some of my um, 
left-wing friends, you know, it, where there's an argument about there needs to be more investment, which absolutely does. But I, I worked in the care system during what is now considered um, the sort of largesse of the Blair years where there was a, you know, where things yeah. were arguably probably funded and it was just as rubbish then. And that's the reality. Uh, and, it's, and, uh, and all the things that we thought were inadequate then remain as inadequate now. Um, and, and apart from a few things that have kind of got worse, um, you know, but on the other hand, you know, look, it's, of course I, look, I'm a, you know, I, I if I, a young person who's had, like 20 placements you know that's not good enough but I've also been in situations where I've been part of conversations and making decisions about having to move a young person on because uh, uh, you know that these are very complicated dilemmas mm. sometimes you know mm. there's other children involved there's other people involved yeah. it, this isn't straightforward you know, there isn't some kind of magic solutions here. I don't have all the answers, which is why I campaigned for a care review, you know. <laughs> um, and if I just thought it was about investment, then I'd have campaigned for investment, not a review, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, you know so. But is there also, um, sorry to keep banging on about it, is there also a lot of disappointment amongst those who were really depending on this being a once-in-a-lifetime? Because if that was said in that kind of respect, it's once in a lifetime, that means that we're never going to see anything like this again. And any kind of changes that are made, yeah, we, big or small, that's that, it. That, that, that's, yeah, that's, so that's a, that's a I, I, you know, I wrote a piece for a social work journal, an online one that um, was about during COVID and then they brought back a special issue for the um, care of you, you know, that, that the, what will happen now is for years and years, we will be told that we had the review that we asked for, you know, um, uh, mm. and, you know, we won't have. <laughs> you know. That leads me, I was going to ask, you know, because obviously there's, there's in you and, you know, some of your peers, there's still, a, there's still a sense of momentum and a desire for change. And I think arguably the review wasn't, isn't, hasn't scratched that itch it's it's looking at other things in a way that isn't it just isn't what you wanted well is there somewhere some else people... that you want to put your energy is it, it, that was that was my question is what what are you going to do i mean do you want something well, like that's a... A, that's a good question um you know i mean netflix won't watch itself so there's that but <laughs> i um I, <laughs> no i i i think for me largely it will be about putting my energy into my own work really um and right. doing what i can in that regard i probably won't just temperamentally and and you know i just need to say stuff so i'm not sort of going to disappear in that regard but i think that there's two positions not there's more than one two positions that's wrong but there's there's a couple of ways that people think about it so you can go for a kind of incremental change that you can really kind of do your bits deliver so someone like um terry galloway who's going around um you know this is really valuable stuff going around local authorities and trying to persuade them to do a version of um care experience being a protected characteristic and other yeah. stuff like that and people can do those kinds of campaigns which do you know they matter my view strongly held view really is that um these are children you know 
in the care of the state and unless there is really uh, strong political will uh, in government not just in local authorities but in government then you you will struggle to really get enough change to make a material difference to the lives of children in care mm. um, and I guess I will continue to I mean, I, I yeah, I, I sort of do worry that I'm just a sort of naysayer, really, and, and that I'm always complaining about stuff and sending out FO, F, uh, freedom of information requests and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't really, you know, you know, I, 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 I want to, yeah, I'd like to say some more positive things than that. You know, I wrote a chapter for a book that will come out next year about the care system, and my view on how to look after children in care, those kind of things. I, I, I think I can have an influence that way I guess I can do some more writing when I get the time and inspiration and you know there's there's, there's, there's you know we all have our own way of doing these things I guess but mm. it would be difficult to campaign for a care review um I, I just for what it's worth actually in in retrospect um I think we should have campaigned for an inquiry I think that's a different thing I look at you know yeah. there'll be things around it so which lots of people are unsatisfied by but that that level of a kind of thing also because then i think it's sort of you know they, they were basically left to their own devices no one was interfering with what they were getting up to once it was set up uh and so i think it should have been more like that i regret that but i don't think there's anything we can do about that now well you, but you don't know a new government coming in and the the shift i think well, not a new government coming in, but there's, there's a feeling that that yeah. that this is the this is the dying days of the Tory party, isn't it? That that yeah. that feels like who knows what the future holds. But um, well, yeah, yeah, but this could be a bleak time for local authorities in terms of their funding over the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, one thing I strongly feel. I wish I could say this to a kind of politician that mattered really, is that. Look, you know, there's legitimate conversations to be had, for example, you know, I, I come down on that way, but legitimate conversation, for example, around the level of benefits and how much the state helps people and how much they're encouraged to help themselves. I, I'm, you know, I have, I have a view on that, but, I, you know, I, I accept the discussion is legitimate. Um, you know, there's legitimate discussion even about how much you can fund the health service, you know, or or, or how much of that could be done privately. These, I, 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 again, I come down on a certain side, but they're real legitimate discussions. But to my mind, if you're going to remove children from the care of their parents, and we do need to do that sometimes, but if you're going to do that, that's such a huge thing for the, such a, the, the biggest, other than perhaps long-term prison sentence, the, the, the yeah. way the state can interfere in someone's life. And, and the children involved, you know, in the way that you could argue that people in prison, adults in prison, had some agency yeah. over what they did. The children involved uh in uh, have no agency not they have no agency at all in their lives but they have no agency about whether or they do or do not come into care and whether they do or do not remain with this foster care or, or this in this children's home or whatever they're just buffeted around you know and so the responsibility we have as a society to do that properly you know that it should be absolutely a hundred percent protected from any fiscal momentary fiscal concerns or you know 
the UK is a wealthy nation, you know, and it can afford to yeah. do this properly and it should absolutely be protected from, from whatever crisis we're in at the moment. And it could be. And, and because, yes, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money in terms of what states fork out for things you know um yeah. and what is it 80 whatever it is 800,000 kids in care you know is that it's a lot of children but it's it's we can afford to look after them properly and we know that then in looking after those children giving them the best possible start then it's cost effective in the long term but that yeah. money that that's money that's down the line of someone else so it's not seen that can i ask you one question because i'm conscious we've taken a lot of your time and um, you mentioned protected uh care leave is a protected characteristic we've had a few people who've come on over the summer what are your thoughts on that one thing from the review about um, becoming a protected well firstly my thought is for the recommendation of the review to be properly enacted that that requires and again i've great respect for what terry and people are doing but that requires a change to primary legislation an amendment via probably some kind of act other act of parliament to the equality act and to name it as a protected characteristic without that it's not really a protected characteristic in any way that yeah. has meaning in law so that's my first position my second aspect of it is that um and this is difficult because ultimately i'm not convinced that uh, what would be an ever-growing number of protected characteristics is the best way to achieve a, a more equitable society. You know, I, I, but there will be people perhaps who, who are who already have one of those protected characteristics who might disagree with me. So I don't know, but I, I personally, I'm sure about that as a route. I think whether people like it or not, there will become difficulties around how you define care experience. Um, if you're going to, because if you're going to make it a protected characteristic, you're going to have to define it. And inevitably that's going to upset some people and palpably, you know, it, people will bristle but the, the experience of um, staying with an aunt for a few months while uh, your parents were going through a difficult time is potentially not the same as being bounced around for yeah. care and residential care for, for 16 years. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, so that, that'll be a problem. Uh, do I think it will make any difference? I think it might that make some difference around the fringes when I think of um, the kind of, you know, campaigns against children's homes in areas and stuff like that. And, and that, that kind of, even the way, even now care experience people can be described in the media that would, you just wouldn't, you know, that, that I think, I think it could make some difference, but not really. I don't think a nine-year-old in foster care's life is going to be improved one way or the other by uh, yeah. whether or not being care experience is a protected characteristic, you know. Um, but, you know, I don't feel passionately about it that I'm going to campaign against the idea, you know. And on that bombshell. Oh, that's interesting. Really interesting. And, and like I said earlier, we've taken up a lot of time, but I think that anybody who reads your tweets will probably either totally agree with you in the first instance or in, well, this is what i was talking about actually that you they totally agree with you in the first instance or they go away and think about what you said and then kind of go oh actually because that's what i find myself doing i'm not talking about our tweets earlier tonight because that was a completely different uh, thing yeah, but, yeah um matt hancock going into the i'm a celeb jungle but 
Um, yeah, I missed I'll, some. I'll, I'll watch telly, so there's no point in me right, okay. um, But yeah, it's, it's 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 fascinating to read some of your tweets because I think that there's a lot of people who are quite angry about things. But actually, when when I read your tweets, it's not that there's, the anger doesn't come through; it's just that the passion comes through, and I think that's what I appreciate about uh, being able to read and then go away and think, and then come back and then go, yeah, actually, that's Thank that's, you. that's right, or that's. You know, maybe I, I don't 100% agree, but you know, it's still it's still a valid point, and I think that's the main thing about being able to communicate on these platforms, isn't it? That you know, we've all got our own opinions, and that's the way it should be. I mean, I you know, honestly, the majority of my stuff I post on media is social media is trite, really. But um, and or or, or you know, where where I've got caught up in uh, you know a pointless argument with an anonymous account um but um uh where i do say things that are you know i seem to you know i get a response from in some way that seems to sort of hook into something that people are thinking and feeling um or whatever or just make people think about something in a different way that's normally because that's currently within my frame somewhere you know so so you know i obviously have to be you know obviously have to respect all kinds of confidentiality stuff but normally uh that that's because something think or there's been a uh, you know a series of things that have happened and i'm thinking you know this isn't really good enough you know and Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I really you. appreciate it. And I think that it's been fantastic to kind of get, um, sort of scratch beneath some of that Twitter yeah. content. Because I think Great. that there is, the story is not the story, is there? And, and um, you've articulated really well a lot of your perspectives mm-hmm. and views that um, I think people really appreciate. So, John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, we, thank you. We wish you well with um, whatever you're up to. You are a human dynamo uh, watching, twi- <laughs> watching Netflix. Um, sending off freedom of information <laughs> requests. I mean, you can do them. Thing, you can do those things at the same time, to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a perfect night in for you, though, isn't it? Multitasking us at its finest. Yeah. So look after yourself, and um, we'll you. speak to you on Twitter soon. Right, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.